0: Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with The Pandola Project. All right. Yeah, man. This is Matt Pandola with The Pandola Project. Today, I have a special one for you. My guest today is Mrs. Annie Turner. This was Katie Turner's mom. If you haven't listened to Katie Turner yet, you need to check out that episode She is one of our fastest growing downloaded episodes because Katie talked about so many important factors about not only what it takes to be a division one collegiate basketball player, but also dealing with other mental health issues that really helped a lot of our listeners out. And it got me to thinking about where did this all come from? Where did Katie's just drive in her character and her personality? Where did she learn these lessons from in the first place? Well, of course, I went right to the source and that was mom. So Miss Annie Turner in today to talk about that fine line of parenting and how we can help our kids become that success. We know they can be but just have more guidance where they need it and a little bit less support when they don't. Miss Annie Turner, nice to have you in today.
1: Thanks, Matt. So happy to be here. So happy to see you.
0: The tough love mom. (laughs) That's kind of the way I think of you. And we had a nice conversation before the podcast. So when I say that, that is a compliment. You are that tough love mom. And uh, over the years, Katie has shared enough stories with me to where I know that She knows that she's loved and supported and you'll do anything for her. But she better have a good reason for what she's doing or not doing because you do hold her feet to the fire a bit, don't you?
1: I do. I do. I, you know, um, take parenting very seriously, maybe too seriously to some. Um, But, you know, when my kids were born, I thought I have one shot to get this right. Like, you don't get a do-over in parenting. And I've got one shot to get this right, and I just refuse to fail. And failure is, um, success is measured in a lot of different ways. I didn't have my kids to have Division One athletes. You know, I, I obviously always wanted to be a mom. Uh, but I wanted to make sure my kids had good character, number one, cared about other people were uh, achieved to their level in school and then had a means to do other things like athletics that helped them learn teamwork and leadership and whatnot. So along the way, I had a lot of conversations with both my son and daughter and said, yeah, nope, I'm not failing at this, guys. So we're going to work together to make make you out to be the best person that you could be.
0: That's, yeah, just thinking about so many things here while you're talking about Katie and what makes her different. But I'm just going to go back to our last training session that was on Thursday. And I uh, was doing some power drills with her and I call them performance partner drills sometimes where you just want to make the most out of each rep. So we're throwing a power ball into the wall, but I say, throw this ball with bad intentions and Katie's like trying to put a crack in the wall man (laughs) every time she throws that ball and I'm thinking this ball is gonna split any second but it's that attitude to say you know I'm here for a reason right now and I'm going to just give this everything in this rep and nothing for nothing but there's a lot of times where I see athletes putting in training where they're just kind of going through the motions. And it's not like every rep we do is like that, but on a day like we did on Thursday, I think that just being able to sort of have that, that uh, fit mindset. So that focused intentional training mindset, that's what I call fit. Mm -hmm. That is something that Katie's able to just tap into. And I mean like now, and it's time to go now. And I think that's so unique that she can do that. I do think that that is what most of my elites can do. But that's a, that's a quality that n- not everybody, I think, taps into or even knows how to tap into. And I think that reservoir, that ability to be able to tap into something like that comes from your past, comes from your history. And you were talking before the podcast started about how important it is that you finish things that you start. Can you talk a little bit about how Katie has developed, or your kids, I should say, has developed that type of mindset to finish what they start. But I think even more importantly, but to know why they started it in the first place. And I believe that's what allows them to tap into that kind of intensity when they need it because they know their why.
1: Well, you know, quitting was never an option in our family. Uh, You start something, you finish it. And, you know, whether that meant... Um, you know, a game of, you know, when we were doing hopscotch or, you know, water balloons or, you know, these things when they were very, very small. Quitting, you know, was just not an option um, for them. And if they didn't like something, they could finish it and then they knew they didn't like it moving forward. You know, but Katie and, and my son, too, they hate to lose more than they love to win. And mediocrity was just not an option in our family. You know, you always gave your best and were expected to give your best. And I remember a conversation um, that I had with both my kids when they were young that uh, they, about schoolwork. And they, you know, uh, had every excuse in the book like every kid does, you know. And I said to them, I said, it's really sad for you that I know your best work is an A. And I'm just not going to accept anything else. So I suggest that you try really, really hard to get an A, because I know that's your best work. Now, if I knew your best work was a C, absolutely, you know, no question about it. That was setting the bar to a point, though, where they could reach the level that was that was meant for them. So, um, you know, they kind of laughed and said, "Oh gosh, dang it!" and they. T- typically always got A's because they know what that knew that's where the bar was. And that was their finish line. Right? That's the finish line. That's the end. Is you get your grades at the semester, at the end of school. Same with working out. You know, why do anything if you don't want to win? Why do anything <laughs> if you don't want to be the best? I mean, that's just the culture that we Now you're not always going to be the best, and you have to learn how to be a gracious loser. Because second is just the first loser, and that was the mentality we grew up, I grew up with, my husband grew up with, and that's what we did to our kids, and we never f- made them feel um, like losers. But winning was the goal, finishing the race and winning, because I don't care what anybody says, winning is fun. Like, remember way back when, and I, maybe it's still the case now, my kids are a little bit older, but um, – you know, the, the YMCA coaches and whatever, oh, we're here to have fun. You know, everybody gets a trophy, we're here to have fun. You know, th- when I coached CYO basketball and YMCA and young kids, that was the first thing I said, we are here to have fun, but winning is fun. And, s- and it really was. And when, so when Katie walks into this gym... She wants to beat everybody in here. I can guarantee you every time she walks in this gym. And that is what fuels her. That is the commitment that she's made to herself because she knows that winning is fun. And winning even to the standards that you set for athletes. Hey, I challenge you to do jump rope at this number in this amount of time, whatever it might be and just your challenge is what fuels her to win and finish. And if she's going to come in here and give half effort or do anything half effort, then that's what she's going to get in return is is mediocrity. And and we just we just didn't accept mediocrity.
0: I like that. And just a little bit on well, something like the jump rope, for example. I like that you brought that up because I purposely took a goal for my athletes where I really knew that not anybody no no one really was there yet to where I wanted them to hit their revolutions in eventually 5 minutes but right now we went to 3 minutes on 300 revolutions and I have had athletes that have hit have had been able to do 500 revolutions in 5 minutes and not coincidentally, um, they were my elites, All-Americans, et cetera. And I told I told the athletes this is, this is a real thing. This is a real common thread that all these athletes have. They're all able to do this test in this amount of time, this many reps. So it's a real thing, but none of you are there yet. None of you are there right now. We're going to make it a goal this summer to get there. So, you know, there's that, there's a whole idea I have about, essentially ground reaction force training, to get that and master that before plyometrics. But why that it can be really important, I think, is also a process. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit because you can't win that day at that number. You can't. But what you can do is you can say, okay, this is, this is where I'm at right now, and now I have to be realistic. I'm not where I want to be. So I, I want to try to get to at least let's say 450 in 5 minutes the minimum and right now i can only get half that so i have a goal in front of me and tomorrow i'm going to try to just get a little bit better and so i'll do my skill set work i'll do my 3 minutes that matt assigned me and i will focus on getting better every day and work and work towards that so those are sort of the the small wins that le- lead to the big victory And when you talk about winning, I think um, for me, some of my best performances, I didn't actually win, but I pushed myself to a point where I was proud of what I did. And generally what happened there was I was in some sort of, I was out of my comfort zone. I was in some sort of state where I felt the fear and did it anyway And I came out the other side and I was proud of myself. And I think that is what is missing when kids are told, well, it doesn't matter if you win or not. Right. And so I just wanted to clarify that because to me, that's the problem for anybody who might say, oh, you know, okay, so this is a podcast just all about if you're if you're not a winner, you're a loser. No, we're not saying that. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is. Don't rob yourself of that victory. Don't rob yourself of that process.
1: Right. And, and just what you said, you can win the day. You, your goal is to win the day. And you have to approach it with humility. I always taught my kids, you need to be good listeners. You have to listen to what people are telling you. Don't be so quick to be ready to answer. Listen to what they're telling you. And, Matt, the advice that you give to athletes is I- I- just irreplaceable, it's extraordinary. And that's why Katie has been able to perform to the level in a lot of ways. Now, yes, sure, she goes out, she shoots the baskets, and she does the other type of basketball requirements. But she came in here as a young girl and listened, and listened. She wanted to win. She knew winning took on a lot of different forms. She was dedicated. She had all of the character traits to be successful, but until she could get in here and listen to what you had to say, there was no task too menial, too small that you could have ever given her that she would have said, I'm too good for that. I don't want to do that. I've done that. And now she comes back in the summers and you – told me she some she started over in some things because, you know, college training programs are different um, and not always the best um, and just obviously focuses on different things. But she she believes in you because she's listened and she knows she doesn't know it all. And so for her, it's very important because of the way she was raised to – have an open mind and listen to what other people say, because she knows in your case, you just want her to be better. And that's what she wants to be. She wants to be a better person. She wants to be a better athlete.
0: Well, thank you. And I just, I say a bunch of things and then maybe one or two of those things are right. And then that's what Katie remembers. So (laughs) I just, uh, you know, I just luck out there sometimes, but Katie listens. And that's again, why you're sitting here today, because I didn't teach that, and i and I want to be very clear about that is taking credit as a coach for the kind of person that Katie is would just be wrong. I can't get somebody to listen when they're not they're not willing to do that, and I can't get somebody to leave their ego at the door when they're insecure, right, so her coming into the facility after being this collegiate athlete and having these successes and saying okay Matt whatever you tell me I'll again listen and I'll do what you tell me because I trust what you have to say but also I'm humble enough to just say yeah okay this is again the basics I'm back to the basics again what's it's interesting because almost across the board my athletes who are at a higher level, just performance-wise, I'm saying right now, they almost always take a little bit more of a beating because they also play more. So they're not, you know, they're not riding the pine so much. They are playing more. Their body is taking a little bit more damage. Quite honestly, that's that's comes at the cost of of you know being maybe one of the higher scorers on the team, and and uh, that athlete gets beat up. The Season's over. Now it's time to reset, recover, respond, repair, and then get stronger again. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> coming into the facility, it's looking at these minute details, right? So uh, we're talking about little things like, um, you know, the popliteal and what it is that we need to do to strengthen that position again for uh, the back of her knee, those little things are easy to avoid mm-hmm. she doesn't have to listen to that right now she do she doesn't she and she could f- her body will figure it out. she can compensate she can work around it and just choose to you know do the bells and whistles right now so that's where I really respect the humility and um just just saying you know transparency like matt i I really want to be able to do these other things, and I want to be able to go and do my uh my sprints and and move fast on the court and I want to be able to do that stuff now but I'll be patient and I'll build myself back mm-hmm. to where I know now i'm su- I'm supporting those goals with the right science behind the training the right foundational means to do that so
1: and what you're saying is a real thing um, with the beating that the bodies take of these athletes especially in today's day and age because they specialize early, really whether they like it or not, in terms of if you have a goal, especially to be a Division One athlete coming out of high school, you ha- almost have to specialize maybe by your sophomore year. Maybe freshman year you can get away with doing multiple sports. Katie was pl- Katie plays every sport. Katie loves every sport. It was a difficult decision to give up. All of her sports.
0: Can I just say real Mm -hmm. quick? I want any parent listening right now to just hear what you just said because no matter how promising your athlete looks at a certain sport, especially when they're younger, have them try everything, have them finish that season out, even if they don't love it, like you mentioned before. And Let them play. Let them get good developmentally, especially their nervous systems are like sponges. And that is what's funny to me because these athletes that specialize, and I'm talking about 8 to 12 years old. Crazy. Crazy. Mm -hmm. But then really – before you know it they are going to be in 10th grade and if they want to play division 1 yeah they they do have to start to look at specializing more cuz that's just the reality of it at that point right depends on the sport not every sport's like that but i mean basketball yeah so competitive mm-hmm. and you have to be able to you you want to be ready for that so why why are you going to play year round basketball when you're you know eight nine oh, ten gosh. years old?
1: That's crazy. I you know my personal opinion that's just nuts. Um, and I have a daughter whose passion has always been basketball. Um, but you you just as a kid you can't sustain it. You you. You start resenting it, you start not liking it. Um, the level of commitment involved in being uh, or wanting to be the best, which is what it takes to get to division one level nowadays is is just not sustainable if you're starting young, not to mention the pounding that you have on your body and Katie's been very fortunate um, you know I, I I do believe that you you have to have some blessings with some talent to really achieve some of these goals that some of the athletes, you know, these, these overachieving athletes set for themselves. Um, but the training involved helps you to perform at the right time, at the right level. Katie has been a starting point guard on every team she's ever played. At Davidson, she's played oh, – she's the, the, she's the player with the highest minutes. She's played – started every game since her freshman year as a point guard averaging 38 to 39 minutes of a 40-minute game, um, she's feeling it. And that's not to mention all the club basketball she played in high school, which was traveling club ball every summer for years, to which she attributes not really ever having a bad injury to you, Matt, uh, without question. She says it multiple times. Um, the foundation that you gave her has prevented her from really and, – and she's seen – injuries galore at the college level at the club level at the high school level so
0: real quick though and i i always appreciate it when everybody uh gives me too much credit okay so what i want to say is that sure i did help her with those things and i appreciate that and i but Katie did the work, and I always bring it back to that is, do you know how many athletes I've given the same advice to and they don't follow it? And then for some reason, somebody like Katie who has all this success and is able to stay healthy, you know, oh, well, she's she's got good genetics. She's lucky. <laughs> oh, God. You know what I'm saying? No, I think she's got good habits. And then, again, I gave her maybe a little bit more of a roadmap, but she did all the driving. And then that comes back to where did she learn that discipline from? You know it comes from you. So you, you if anything, you know, you think you thank you for that that sort of thing, but I I have very little to do with that because if I can take credit for that, then I have to take the blame for even more athletes who didn't follow my advice and got <laughs> hurt. I don't want to take the blame for that.
1: No, but she wouldn't been able to get better if she was hurt. Right? She couldn't go down and practice her shooting her ball handling, all that if she was hurt. And that's, you know, that is also a mental drain on kids. I mean, the mental toll that it takes on kids when they're injured and they're used to, you know, being the best or working hard and, you know, this constant regimen. And I'm sure for adults too, you know, the injuries that adults suffer is a real, takes a mental toll. You know, there were just a lot of words in our family and, you know, my kids used to laugh at me because i pull out all these quotes and stuff, you know. But there were just words in our family that, first of all, luck was, I, I just cringe. When when parent, uh, you well, you're just lucky. No, 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 luck doesn't. And hope is not a strategy. That was another one. Hope is not a strategy. Can't wasn't a word we talked about in our house. Uh, you know, can't. Um, there were just some words that uh we we just di- didn't tolerate you know I I can't even think count on one hand the number of times I ever spoke to a teacher unless it was because I really felt like my kid was in danger or was you know had the possibility of getting hurt or it was a health issue you know I just it, it just wasn't that and and my kids knew oh and, and not fair that was another one it isn't fair OK, time out. Life isn't fair. And the sooner you get used to that, the better.
0: That's the tough love I'm talking about, because it might seem like such a simple thing that you just mentioned. But really, are we catching that as parents? Are we seeing that? And uh, just can't. I love that you said that uh, mm-hmm. because I think of it more and I have this discussions with you know my daughter, Mia, now. A lot actually, where she knows that she doesn't say can't. Now, maybe she won't. Maybe she decided not to, but she can. She just has to decide whether or not it's important enough. And there are some times where I'll say to her, maybe this just isn't as important to you. And that's okay. And that usually makes her mad. And then she does it.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> A little competitive drive there, I think, in little Mia. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's hard, right? If, if my kid said, mom, it's really hard. And I would say, honey, I, I know it's hard. I know it is, but anything worth achieving is hard. You know, my son called me last night. So, um, he was a division one athlete. He was a college golfer, uh, at West Point. So he went the military route. A real slacker. It, he, he, yeah, he's. He's a uh, just, I don't know, when we get into those dinnertime discussions, what's harder, golf or basketball, you know, those are a bit contentious at our house. And, um, but, you know, he and Katie were cut from the same cloth, even though different, very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and he called me last night. So he graduated from West Point about a year and a half ago, and he is now serving the Army and learning how to fly helicopters. So he's going to be an Army aviator. And um he is he just finished yesterday his common core. So they teach aviators how to um fly fly in general and then now is the time where he will choose the airframe based on the army's needs that he wants to fly. So everything at West Point and everything in this pilot training is how good are your grades? How good is your physical ability, your mental ability, your leadership? Everything is ranked on performance so you know there's a that's a lot of pressure that's a lot of pressure. you know you want to be a pilot in the army well at West Point, you have to perform. Well, you're a college golfer and you're gone three days a week at a golf tournament. So how do you time manage? How do you prepare? What kind of major do you have and you know he he was an electrical engineering major, and he could have said, well, you know. All of these other, you know, some of these other majors are easier, you know, and so they have a leg up in getting the branch that they want, right? Never never uttered those words. He's just like, this is what I'm in for. This is what I'm going to do. And he did it. He became an aviator. And so he called me last night, and really the, the point of my story is he called me last night, had his final check ride. And so he went up in the helicopter. It was a night check ride. He could tell right away that the um, instructor that he had was really tough, 39 years in the Army, 39 years and he just had a huge expectation for what these junior pilots should know and how to pass a check ride and you're graded on that and of course your grades get you to where you want to be and that's just how life is your performance determines where you get to it just does and those who can f- perform best and work hardest you know uh, they, they they set themselves apart because that's been their training that's been their mentality their mantra and so he knew this this teacher was really going to be a difficult grader and he said mom he goes he goes I I had the best check ride I've ever had I rose to the occasion and the instructor said mom he was so complimentary and he said but you know I tend to perform well under pressure because of the bar that you set for us at a very young age and I, I just still get the chills. And I love my kids. They always knew that I loved them. They always knew that I was the first one cheering them on. But they also knew I was the first one to tell them when, uh, eh, just don't think you really gave it what I know you could. And when I set the bar really high, really high, even if they didn't achieve that, which was fine, they got a lot higher than had I set it for them, much lower.
0: Wow. That's... I'm taking mental notes. I might have to listen back to this podcast and and take more notes because, again, this is something that you've lived for such a long time, but also coming from an athletic background yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, were you a point guard?
1: I was a point guard. I actually never went and played college basketball because... Um, I wanted to – the schools I was being recruited by back in the 80s were not the schools I wanted to attend. And so I chose academics over athletics. So I went to UC Davis. Um, I studied abroad, studied in Barcelona, you know, became bilingual. I did other things. I I channeled some of these other ambitions and talents that I felt like I had rather than sacrifice – just to be on a basketball team so I, But I played all sports I grew up in New York City So you know, that was a thing to do You went to the park You played all sports from morning until night So I was you know, an athlete from birth Grew up with four older brothers So I didn't have a lot of choice And a dad who loved sports But, um, but that was my path So yes and my husband played college football at UC Davis So he played a couple years of college football um, But then again he didn't have financial support So he had to stop playing football So he could work and pay for the rest of his education, and that meant enough to him that you know he did that. So you know, a l- little bit different path, but we as parents did raise our kids in an athletic um, type of household, just for fun, just to do things with them.
0: So. Yeah, and that's it's interesting because I know Katie well enough to know that she didn't have to choose basketball, and but clearly there was an influence there, mm-hmm. but she. I think fell in love with it her own way. But I remember just getting back to specializing part of things. She was playing golf, mm-hmm. and I had that conversation with her after a golf season about getting ready for college and training for Division One, and then making that decision at that time to now go year-round for basketball because there were some things that we had to deal with after the golf season, the, the torquing and the twisting. Uh, and those type of things that uh, that Katie was kind of dealing with after the golf season into the basketball season. But uh, I was really glad that she was doing multiple sports. But at the same time, because she's a good, such a good athlete and she had sort of rounded herself out, she was always doing really well in any sport, really, because she had that competitive drive. She had the athleticism. And so... When she was going to hit that golf ball, she was still going to hit it with everything she had. And to the point where I think maybe her skill set for it didn't match her drive get it mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. uh so I said well you it's not right but <laughs> um uh, but but really I thought geez here's a situation where if she uh probably after she hit the ball and she's trying to put the brakes on she's suffering a little bit from that consequence but she's hitting this ball so much harder than the other girls are and I, and I remember having some numbers to compare to because one of the the girls that I had trained for a while actually won the ESPN long drive competition. So I had an idea about how strong and powerful Katie was. We just decided we we're going to apply it a little bit differently at that point. But what I want to get to next is being fully transparent. Um, and here's another pun, transparent. But <laughs> what I want to talk about is just that fine line of enabling Okay, and the helicopter parenting that tends to go on or can go on. It seems like it's more prevalent these days. And just get your thoughts and your feelings on that, because we had a really nice conversation before the podcast. But I do. I think that this can rub people the wrong way. I personally feel that we enable too much in general. And I say we I even have to catch myself at times saying, you know, I know my daughter's eight, I know that she's, but I have to get this right, like you said. I have to get this right, and I have to make sure that I'm just, I'm not coddling her, because that's just setting the poor kid up for failure. So, you know, how did you raise your kids to win in that sense, and I mean win at life?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's you you always show them that you love them, right, And I made the choice, and not everybody has this choice, but I made the choice, and with my husband's support, to give them my time rather than than anything monetary. So my investment in, in my kids was time. Because I knew I could teach them the things that I felt was important rather than leave it up to somebody else. And from a very young age, you know, there was just a very clear, clear um, communication between them and me about what the expectation is. And I mean expectation like, you know, th- there's no whining. We're, you know, I know you're hot. You know, just any, any little example you want to give, you know, that life is hard, like I said, and life isn't fair. And I, 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 n- I never... I can't think of a time like I said that I complained about the amount of homework that they were given. They never knew when I thought an adult or a teacher or a coach or a trainer was being unreasonable that that I kept to myself i have really matt had did, had did I, did we ever have a conversation in all these years that Katie's trained other than just kind of shooting the you know b s and Hey, how are things going? Never. You never heard from me.
0: And no, no. I mean, if anything, it was, I think I was the one just coming to you, so I'm keeping you in the loop. Right. But you never interfered.
1: No. And, you know, and, and so, you know, my kids knew that these were the expectations. School came first. You know, if you don't perform in the classroom, there's just no sports. That's just how it is. And that's just from a really young age. You know, even when they didn't play after school sports, they would come home, they do their homework. If the homework wasn't done in their grades, I never even looked on these websites where it shows grades. Are you kidding? Like I saw the grades at the end of the semester or the end of the quarter or whatever it was. My kids just knew that there was an expectation and They knew that if they didn't perform in the classroom, they weren't going to play sports. I have a great story about my son. And the same went for Katie, but a great story about my son. Because our kids also knew the financial investment that we put into their training. Mm -hmm. And that they, even though they couldn't understand dollars and cents, they knew mom and dad in different ways were working really, really hard to support their habits. Mm -hmm. And, And it wasn't by me saying, oh, my gosh, this costs this much and this costs this much. But they knew it in this example I'm going to give you. So my son, who I think just started high school, maybe he was in eighth grade, and he uh, there were we found out about these traveling golf tournaments. And you know the reality is, unfortunately, that club sports have become the 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 pathway to be seen by colleges unfortunately you know high schools they just don't look upon it anymore you know maybe in the big cities they'll go you know some of these coaches will go watch a high school game but very rarely they only come when you're actually being recruited by the school so the pathway for both my kids in basketball and golf was really getting them into a, a into a, a onto a team or into a situation where they could be seen and that was important to us because we're, th- you know, it would be throwing away our money if our kids um, were doing all this training but couldn't be seen to be recruited. So we started to sign our son up for these um, uh, tra- uh, golf tournaments in California. We started in California, and then we went to a couple nationwide. And you have all these acronym, you know, AJGA and NCGA and, you know, FT- FTC or, or FCG or whatever, all these golf tournament things where you just spend a boatload of money you know each tournament was I don't know 350 400 bucks and that didn't count the hotel it didn't count the travel you know luckily like I said we started in northern California because we felt like that was you know they would he if he was shooting good scores in NorCal he'd get a look right because NorCal had some really competent golfers so we went Uh, it was probably the the, not the first tournament because we gave him a break probably the second or third tournament and you know he was shooting in the mid-80s and and he was a better golfer than that you know and so like I said we gave him some time to kind of get acclimated and finally we realized and we always had these open conversations with our kids on the drive back at the dinner table whatever it was and I said to him I said Nick you know The difference between you and these golfers is your 100-yard and in shots. And what that means is, you know, they're sticking pins. So they're taking their 100-yard and in club, and they're shooting it close enough to the golf pin to have a chance at birdie. And if you're shooting in within six feet versus twelve feet or twenty feet you're you're shooting birdies, which means you're scoring way better in the seventies and he needed to be at least a mid seventy consistent shooter to be looked at by a division one program and so we told him that, and we said, you need to practice your hundred yard and in shots you need to practice those and he you know like a typical 13-year-old, you know, he'd go out and play and practice hard, but I don't know what he's practicing. I'm not the parent standing on the tee for three hours (laughs) watching what he's doing. It's like, no. This is – the onus is on you to do this. But you could see it in his game if he was practicing it or not. Mm -hmm. Same with Katie in basketball. Same with runners, I imagine, right? I mean, how fast are you running,
0: you know? Well, it's like protocol when I'm giving out protocol to people and – then six weeks later, they really haven't shown any difference. I know they haven't been doing exactly. it, but I know they have. If they do show that improvement, a lot of times that is, you know, but it's same way. Anyways, right. I'm not standing there making sure they're doing it every day. Of course, I couldn't. I'm probably getting in trouble if I <laughs> went to somebody's house yeah. to watch you do your protocol. But anyway, yeah, yes. So
1: I said to my son, so we told him. And, you know, about two months later, you know, we're at another tournament and it's the same story. And I just said to him, I said, Nick, I'm not paying for these tournaments anymore until you can show me that you can play 100 yards and in like some of these other kids because it's wasting my money and it's wasting your time. And he knew I meant what I said. And we didn't. We didn't travel to another NorCal tournament for at least a few months until – and then I could tell. And the, the, my son got motivation from the fact that I said what I meant, I meant what I said, and it was just going to help him. It wasn't because I was trying to be mean or I wanted to be a bad mom. But I always felt like parenting is hard, man. You, you have to have some really tough conversations with your kids that just just kill you. You go to bed at night and you're just like, gosh, dang it, man. That, it killed me to say it. But I knew it would help them somewhere down the road in adulthood, in whatever. And if he didn't make that Division One goal, that's okay. But I knew saying that was going to help him get there.
0: I think what's important here too, it is so ta- hard to, to say these things. And I was sharing with with you too some of my own stories with uh, with Mia. You don't want to see your kid upset. You don't want to see them cry. And you you certainly don't want to uh, tell your kid, hey, I'm not going to pay for this as in maybe this is going to come across as, um, well, Annie won't pay for something because her son's not winning. That's not the point. No. And the point is that you need to get better at this and you haven't done it yet. And so you need to earn this. And that is the type of tough love and the type of parenting. It takes a strong parent, but I think that is what makes you great as a parent. You're willing to do that. Cause that's not easy to do. I think it's easier to just keep paying for those tournaments.
1: Well, and that's the enabler, right? That's the enable back to your question. That's the enabler. It's like, Oh, well, he's trying. Well, no, I knew my kids well enough that they're trying gives er, results. And my husband had an investment in it in working. I was working at that time. I had an investment in it and an investment of time. You know, we're traveling, we have to take Fridays off, sometimes Mondays, you know, whether you're flying out, you know, I'm making reservations. It, 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 we both have an investment. It's not just a one-way investment, and my kids knew that. This isn't just your investment in getting better. This is our investment in you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We we are happy to be in, we love being invested in you, and we believe in you. And that word is runs throughout my house, Matt, believe. My my kids get so sick of it. They're like, "Oh my god, this believe, mom, you got it." You know. But now they use it all the time. They use it with people they talk to, you know. Because if you don't believe in yourself, and you don't believe in your kids, and you and they don't believe in themselves, what they're doing ultimately is 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 gonna fall short somewhere along the line. You know. You got to believe that you can do it. Just like when Nick's standing on the tee box or Katie's stand at the free throw line, you got to believe also that all the hours of training that you put in will come through and it will because hard work always pays off hard work always pays off but can you stand there at the free throw line with three seconds left and one point down and believe that you can make it and the only way you're going to be able to do that is by the investment that you put into your time and your training
0: yeah you just explained why this enabling thing just never works in it and it's actually doing the exact opposite of what you're trying to accomplish at the time you take that belief away by just giving it to them they don't have to earn it so how are they going to start to believe in what they can accomplish and do if they're not putting in the hard work and you're just giving it to them right and i didn't grow up with money i i I definitely, uh, I think, had to dig myself out of, um, you know, the circumstance I was in when I was younger. And so at the time, I always felt like, man, how come I didn't have these, just these rich parents that just could pay for everything and didn't have any of the problems I was dealing with when I was younger with, you know, with my parents, with their with their problems. and And now I look back and say, well, course I it would have been nice to have maybe at times um, yeah well somebody like yourself who is there to sort of uh, help to guide me and 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 back me up at times and things like that but I look at the lessons I learned over the years realizing that as a coach I can at least take those experiences and take what was good out of those things and teach them to to the athletes that I work with now And for somebody like yourself, you're, we're in a better position with, with Katie. You guys were in a -hmm. a position to be able to do these things, um, and Nick, and that's where I see myself now as a parent. And I don't want to screw it up because it's so easy, I think, to enable when you just can, Say, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I'll just, we'll just pay for that next tournament. Mm -hmm. And that's a slippery slope, isn't it?
1: Well, and it's so much more satisfying for your kids. So you talk about how hard it is on you, which it is. You know, it's, you you don't want to see them disappointed. You don't want to see them fail. All these things that we all as parents can relate to. And, but we're trying to give them the tools to learn how to succeed and when they succeed on their own without you, without me, without mom and dad giving them what they want, you know, if they know they earned that A and mom and dad weren't up there saying, why are you giving my kids so much homework? They can't practice at night because they got too much homework, you know, or or my son didn't deserve, you know, an, uh, a B and, and the kid didn't, didn't, even, didn't earn it right? At least you know what you got you earned. And the kid, you know, another funny story was, you know, they'd taken away honor roll, right? Let's take away honor roll because we don't want anybody to be sitting down and and name not being called to come up on the stage. Well, if your name's called to go up on the stage, hopefully you as a young student knew that something you did earned you that recognition to get up there. Has anybody ever thought that the kid sitting in the chair who wasn't called says, I want to be that person up there. I want my name to be called. So what do I need to do to get my name called? But if mom and dad are fighting for everything that they're doing and they can't even feel satisfaction in earning a grade or earning a starting spot on a team or earning a varsity, you know, what good is it? The coach just let you be on varsity because your mom and dad... I mean, there's no satisfaction in earning something for yourself in so many of our kids nowadays. And you can hold your head up high and know that everything you've done, you've earned. And to me, that that pays for itself a hundred times over, right? And that's what our kids need to know.
0: Absolutely. People need to have a reason to remember your name, mm-hmm. right? It's just, and that's, that's to be honest with you, when it, we were just talking before the podcast where I've been with my facility working more outside of the facility nowadays and less in the brick and mortar setting. So uh, my options are a little bit more limited on who I can take, and it's, for me... I want my athletes to understand that I buy into them. I work as hard as I can. I over deliver, in my opinion, as best that I can for each athlete. But there is a point where the Katie Turners of the world will say, hey, the the back of my knee is bothering me, coach. And then I'm researching to try to find out what I can do to turn that around. Is that because I'm over delivering as a coach or is that because I want to see Katie succeed because she's put so much into this that I want to do more for her. And my point to that is that I believe that Katie inspires me as a coach to be better because that is the type of person that creates the type of culture that makes a real difference in our future. And so even she doesn't have to say it. I just, that is what I want to be able to do for her. So all levels rise around you when you have this kind of an attitude. But uh, what I am very clear with is that if I take you on as an athlete here I'm going to do everything that I should be doing obviously and I believe in over delivering but to get that extra out of people to get that level out of people you give you have to give them a reason to to know why it's important to to put in that just that extra amount of effort and to remember your name so to speak
1: mm-hmm. and you care you know, gosh, everybody needs to have a Matt Pandola in their town, really. Katie plays with athletes who just the most fantastic, um, gifted athletes, and they're hurt. They're hurt all the time. Um, and, you know, they want to be out there. They want to, you know, uh, succeed. They want their shot, um, but they're hurt. And uh, there's just not enough of the care and the effort that you put in. There just isn't that in a lot of places. And I would tell any parent, you know, see through the BS and find somebody who genuinely cares about your kid. Because, you know, uh, there's so many that don't. And I know it's not always easy to find that person. But um, the dedication that you put in behind the scenes is you know it it's a, it's it works both ways what comes first the chicken or the egg does the athlete need the trainer first does the trainer need the athlete right and i you know and but you've always looked at it as a mutually mutual respect and working for one another to make each other better and again that goes back to good listening that goes back to wanting to be better, wanting to be the best, you know. Um, and like I said, even if you're not the best. You know, I tell my kids all the time, like, well, we weren't so good at that. But the good news is you have other talents. So, you know, you don't have to fall back on that one, you know. Um, so it's 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 measured how you talk about being the best. But, you know, the investment of time and the the training of kids who hopefully can come to you at a point in their life where, they know that not everybody gets a trophy, you know. When we were, when they were little and we'd play Go Fish or we'd play cards or Monopoly or whatever, no, we never let our kids win. Now, I will say that totally comes from my dad. My dad never let me win, ever, until I really won. And again, the satisfaction in knowing how to win. But having that personal investment in it as a kid, you know, doesn't also waste your time, so you can feel good at least also about the investment of time that you're putting in because what you're doing is not 8 to 5 or, or, or 10 to 7 or noon to, you know, this is a round-the-clock thing because you've got athletes all of whom are different, right?
0: Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. And the athletes that do make it long-term, the athletes that really I feel like have created this culture here that we have. I'm just so I'm so blessed because these athletes really are in very different uh, sports have the same type of mindset and they really are good people mm-hmm. and that's what I love about it. I'm so proud of them, but at the same time, I guess you could call it tough love or parenting as a coach it's mm-hmm. It's tough coaching at times, and I have had. my arguments in the past with other parents and and coaches and just essentially saying like, look, I need them to make this decision. I, I, I don't need you to tell me what their decision is. (laughs) I need them to actually make the decision and then, and then not for me, but for themselves commit to that process. And I can't tell you how many times, like, we went, we went to a competition where we literally just just about swept everything in the main events. And yet one of the athletes did, did not perform well. And, you know, parents basically wanted to know what was wrong with her training, that she wasn't performing <laughs> as well. But all these other kids on the team were just crushing it, right? And it's like, yeah, come on, listen. I'm going to do the best I can because I like this uh, this, this person that we're talking about. And it's not a personal thing that I say, hey, you haven't committed. But these other athletes, I call them six-second decisions. The, every six seconds, they're making a better decision, even if it's just that same decision and, and committing to it again for another six seconds. But th- they're just, I think— Uh, So many examples of where you take a perfectly driven uh, mindset, but they haven't been given the structure or the discipline to be able to perform that mindset long term. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that's a shame. And we, as a coach, I try to help with that as much as I can. But I I do. Again, I think it's a big part of this obviously comes from the parenting.
1: Oh, my gosh. My kids were brought up that if i ever went to you after a basketball game and said why can't kate do this oh she oh my gosh no way my kids be like get mom you know I, and and they knew my answer when if they ever said oh gosh i couldn't do this well work harder work harder Get mentally right. You got to get your head mentally right. You know, work harder. Never. Why didn't the? What's wrong with the coaching? You know, that just is that's that's just absolutely nuts. And again, uh, my philosophy, though, like I would never have a conversation with you, Matt. And, and my kids would be have been mortified if I did, you know, and that just goes to show that they took ownership of it. They took ownership of the training and of what they had to do to be better. And a and funny thing that, that we're talking about this, because this is hilarious, and you may not remember it, but the first day we came to see you, when I wanted to sign Katie up, and I think, I don't know, she was maybe in ninth grade or something, so eight, eight years ago, whatever, and I said, okay, you know, and I was I, I was sold before I even came in here, but I said, okay, Matt, here's the standard by which we're going to rate your performance. If she can dunk in a year, because that's the expectation I want her to be. And she's 5'8". Five 5'8". Eight. Five eight. She ain't dunking anytime soon. But I'm like, that's that's your goal, Matt. So we're not, you know. I,
0: I remember Right? That.
1: Remember, she's going to dunk, right? That's what you're guaranteeing me. She's going to dunk. But she obviously didn't dunk, and, I, and it was a joke. But I didn't come in here and say, Matt, she's not close to dunking. You know what I mean? C- come on. Like, again, placing the ownership on the individual because when they get out into the work world, I'm not – I can't go to their boss and be like, oh, you know what? You're just working, Katie, too many hours. No. You know, and kids have to learn how to have difficult conversations. That's another thing I really talk a lot to my kids about. Communication is clarity, number one. And it doesn't have to be a confrontation. It can be a conversation. But you have to learn how to be able to talk to people in a way that's respectful. But that sometimes is tough, you know, so with your coaches. Hey, this training, I, I appreciate all the work that you're doing, but it's not working for me. You know, this what there's not cookie cutter. And it's not working for me. I'm feeling like I'm hurting or this or that. Katie has shoulder problems. She has her right shoulder problem. She's been shooting baskets since she's been five years old. She has shoulder problems. She can't be on the gun for hours and hours at a time. It just, and now, you know, senior in college. So, but she has those tough conversations. And hopefully you have a coach or a trainer that listen to you, you know. And if you don't, then you have to have a tougher conversation and say, This is not working for me. You know what I'm saying? So teaching, giving my kids the tools to have tough conversations that are conversations, not confrontations. They are the ability to articulate how you feel because mom didn't articulate it for you. Katie, I'm not going to talk to your coach, you know, your, your, your YMCA coach. I don't care how old you are. I'm not going to talk to them. You know, like I remember, you know, she sometimes she would have coaches who would, you know. She, she had good instincts, Katie always did, you know, and that's why she's a really good point guard because she has good instincts and she was trained at that position. And, you know, sometimes you have overzealous coaches who are screaming things out to you all the time, you know, and, and it happens, you know, at all different levels. Well, you just, just got to talk to them and say, I, I, can't, I can't be a robot. I got to play on instinct, right? So let's come to a mutual agreement here on how we're going to be better because I want to be everything you want me to be, but I can't if I'm a robot. So, again, that's not a confrontation. It's a conversation, and you just got to give your kids the tools to do that because throughout their whole life you're not going to be able to be there for them.
0: No, and when you enable your kids or when you just don't really uh, hold their feet to the fire – many examples you gave today, I think that's a real disservice because they don't gain the confidence to make those better decisions and discipline equals freedom. They have that behind them. They have the freedom now to have that conversation with the coach because they have the the confidence in the first place and they see sometimes the challenge, but not a threat. And that's, that's the mindset I think that makes a big difference. But, Unfortunately, more and more so, I see a lot of kids who just, they literally just expect you to tell them what's next. And that will never work. And I'm just, I'm not just talking about winning a basketball game. I'm talking about their life. And that's what really bums me out when I, when I'm talking to a kid and I, I'm asking them questions and they're looking over at their parents. I'm like, why are you looking at your mom? I asked you, (laughs) right? Or, or, you know, and then mom or dad will take over the conversation for them. And I'm not saying this always happens, but that's just an example. And then sure enough, even with some of these kids that have the attributes to do really well and have trained hard, they get into competition and they start to wilt, they start to go the other way and it's i believe it's because they don't they haven't developed the mental flexibility right to make that better decision in the moment well what do i do right now this whole game has shifted the competition has shifted on me and i don't know what to do because nobody's just telling me maybe i've gotten really good at just following what coach says to do or mom and dad say to do and i'm really respectful And I'm going to do those things, or I know I can do it because they said I can do it, but I don't actually know how to do it for myself. What do you think is going to happen in life when life changes on you, right? So very important lessons that we learned from today. And to to wrap this up, Annie, I'll let you just any final thoughts, and how can we reach you?
1: Well, I just— I love talking about things like this, so I appreciate you having me here because I, I just love my kids. I've coached. I loved other people's kids. I still do. Um, I think that they, our kids have so much in them to succeed and achieve on their own individual levels. So, um, I, you know, I, 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 my kids, I told them, never look at me in the stands. Uh, would never look at me. Told my son never look at me in golf. Like, be be you. Don't be me. You know, you have the confidence in yourself. And and again, giving kids that confidence. And um, I, I'm happy to talk to anybody who you know just maybe wants to even talk about um, how to you know get your kids to take a little bit more ownership. How to train them a bit more to, in terms of giving them the tools they need to have conversations and communication and, and how to, you know, just really, um, get the best, get, have them get the best out of themselves. Um, they can reach me. I, I, I have an email address of, of a company, uh, called Believe Big that, I only work with a little bit, and I just give parents some advice on recruiting. So they can email me at um, believebig23 at gmail.com, um, and uh, just email me their question or, you know, their concern or whatever. I'm happy to talk to people. Um, again, I'm just um, so appreciative of the time, Matt. Uh, you know, we, we speak the same language we always have, and I'm so grateful to you for the – Uh, tools and the training that you've given to Katie Um, she um, has a great resume um, and that is really in part due to what you've you've done for her so super grateful my husband too even though he's in the shadows he's always just doing his thing but yeah
0: well thank you so much Uh, Annie Turner I have so much respect for you so that meant a lot to me And, yeah, I would encourage anybody with uh, questions, especially in that uh, process. It can be very confusing. I know that's why you started doing it in the first place, to... And that's not enabling there. That's helping your athlete make that next decision. But uh, it is a, a tough process, and it actually does, I think, need some uh, some assistance. And people like yourself can really help out a lot because you've been through it with your kids, and you know what it's like, and you know what to look for. Mm-hmm. So um, this is like if somebody wants to essentially figure out how what our colleges looking for for my kid to get into these programs, right?
1: right, right, and I'll tell you this, right. When you say it in those terms, Matt, you know what a college is looking for. A college is looking for an adult student athlete. Nice. That I mean that that would be the first thing I would tell anybody. Anyway, they're look they th- to your point of not hearing from mom and dad. College coaches don't want to hear from mom and dad. So the first thing I would tell anybody is they want an adult student athlete because really. Your kids, my kids, they're a dime a dozen in this world. We live in northern Nevada. It's a really small pond. So raising an, an adult student athlete who can change, like you said, who can make quick decisions, six second improvements, all of these other things. That's 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 what they're looking for.
0: Well, we just got a a master mindset class and, and being a motivated mom but uh i i really can't thank you enough because i think that i learned some good valuable lessons as a father too for the future with with mia and even as a coach for the future with my athletes and i mean that so i i sincerely appreciate your time today as well all right guys we will talk to you next time